0: Matthew today. In the book of Matthew. The story of Jesus has continued in many different ways as we've been walking through this book. He has gone from being born to beginning his ministry as his cousin and friend wound up being arrested, John the Baptist. He begins to preach, he begins to heal. Then he begins to call his disciples, and they begin to see him heal and cast out demons and raise from the dead and preach the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And then it comes to a place where Jesus said, Now it's your turn to begin to do what I have been doing. I give you authority to cast out demons, to, to go and to teach, and to go and do these things. And, so they went, we looked at that last week, and we come to a place now in chapter 11 of the book of Matthew that's very interesting. Today as we come to this chapter, it's, it's a, a little bit of an uneasy passage today. But as I think about this passage, I have to think about my own life and the message of Jesus Christ. The message of Jesus Christ is that we have all fallen short. We do not measure up. We cannot be perfect. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross and took my place and fulfilled that that was needed for my salvation. And in doing that, when I received Jesus Christ, I received forgiveness of my sins. For Christ died for all of them. And when I was a young man at the age of six, six and a half or so, I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And since then, I have not lived a perfect life and I have messed up. The word repentance has had to enter into my life numerous times of things that I have said or done that has brought about this idea that I must repent. So I stand before you today as a pastor, as a preacher to let you know that this subject today of repentance is something that I am familiar with, that it's not something that is foreign to me. It's something I have had to experience myself in my life. But as we think about repentance, one of the things that we have to also consider is this idea that what do we do when we mess up again and again? I particularly, I'm not talking about where you do something and then months and months later you wind up making a little mistake and it's not really related or connected to the mistake before. But what I'm talking about is whenever you're doing something, you know that you shouldn't be doing it. The Lord has convicted you of this. You know this is not quite right. But it just seems like you keep doing it. And you keep messing up in the same fashion over and over what do we do with this? Well, today I think this is going to be a, quite a, a, an eye opening thing as I know as we work through this, as we, as we lean into this, we're going to find something interesting when it comes to repentance. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading verse 20 in just a moment, but I want you to know that Jesus spent a lot of time preaching in the towns that I'm about to read that he mentions in what he's about to say. He spent time preaching. He spent time healing people. He did the work that we have read up to this point in these towns. The blind have been able to see. The lame has been able to walk. The dead was raised. The the sick was healed. The power of God was there. And the people were glad to listen and they delighted to be healed And they were pleased to be fed by Jesus in these towns. But let us read beginning in verse 20. Follow along in your own copy of God's Word today. Verse 20 of chapter 11 in the book of Matthew reads like this. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done. Because they did not... Repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in you, had occurred in Sodom which occurred in you, it would, have been, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. This is harsh words from the man named Jesus. Jesus. From the one who has been healing and being compassionate and feeling people, uh, feeding people. These were harsh words to say there's judgment coming. We struggle as we read these words that Jesus said. I mean, we want Jesus to be loving and understanding and forgiving, right? So we struggle. He denounced them because there was no Repentance among the people in these cities and these towns. They liked what they were getting from Jesus, but they didn't want to give him their life. They wanted him to feed them, just not to guide them. They wanted him to heal their sick and raise their dead, but not be involved in their own personal life. Jesus is fine for the ATM and the doctor, but not for my my living room, my neighborhood, my phone, my computer, if you will. So Jesus was involved in these people's lives and these miracles were were meant to bring salvation, not just healing. They were to bring about this idea of repentance. See, people like religion if they are comfortable But if it makes them uncomfortable, they don't want anything to do with it. As long as they get what they want, it's okay. But repentance is a completely different matter. I want us to look at some facts here today in what Jesus said in verse 20. I don't want us to miss this. The first one is this, that God's power was on display. There may be somebody here right now thinking, well, if God would only show up and do something really powerful and do a miracle in my life, man, I would believe, I'd repent, and I'd follow Him. I'd give up that thing that I keep doing. If God would just show up with His mighty power, I would turn around and do what I'm supposed to do. Probably not. Can I tell you that? Because here were towns of people who saw miracles on a daily basis, no doubt, from Jesus Himself. He was walking in front of them. He was raising the dead, healing the blind. And yet, God's power was on display, but it was all about what they could get from it. So don't step into the idea that if Jesus would and God would just show a miracle in my life, I would turn my life around. You're basing your turn on the wrong thing. You're looking for some power of God rather than the forgiveness of God. You're looking for God to do something so that you can feel better rather than God changing you and getting you out of where you are and putting you in a new place walk in newness of life these people that's where they were God's power was on display can you imagine in Gainesville Georgia if there were people being healed of blindness of cancer people being healed of of not being able to walk how about how about all my friends in here who's got back problems this morning I know there's several of you I hear from you a lot about how your back hurts and how things are going on and they're hurting. What if in Gainesville, Georgia, there was this move and God was healing people with back problems this morning? Man, we'd get excited, wouldn't we? Man, we would jump up and down. People would be rushing to Chicopee Baptist Church if it was happening right here in the altar. They'd be coming because they wanted healing. But when we stand and proclaim the Word of God, they don't come through the door because it makes them uncomfortable. These people were in the middle of God's power on display. But yet all they were concerned about was what they were getting. Because Jesus wasn't just doing miracles, he was proclaiming a message. See, that's the second fact I want you to understand that not only was God's power on display, but God's message was being given to them by Jesus himself. How can you say that pastor? Well I I believe it's very clear in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. We were there several weeks ago when Jesus began his ministry after hearing Jesus was in uh, after hearing John the Baptist was in jail, Jesus began his ministry and it says in verse 17 of chapter 4, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." We also find in chapter 9, verse 35, it says again that in in verse 35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every, every kind of sickness. Jesus was proclaiming a message. It wasn't simply come and be healed of your affliction. It was repent. You need to do something. You need to make a decision. That was the message of Jesus. So that was going on as well. So they had the words and they had the works. They had the power on display. They they had two witnesses. Do you understand there were two witnesses here? There was the power of God on display, the works of God, and the word of God, the message that was coming to them. And they chose to say, never mind. I don't believe. I don't want to do that. If they didn't believe the words and they denied the works, there were no other witnesses that would have made a difference for them. So today, if you come here and you are coming with this idea that if only it would make sense or if only I could see the power of God on display, man, I would change my life. Let me tell you, the power of God was on display on the cross of Jesus Christ when He died for you. And the message is, That gift is free. That gift is free. So, what do you say today? What do you say? Well, here's the necessary response we find in these scriptures this morning. The necessary response is this repentance is necessary, it is not an option in the Christian life. Let me say it again repentance is necessary, it's not an option. In the Christian life. What I read to you today about these cities and these towns. Great things took place. God moved in amazing ways. But yet they are condemned in judgment because they did not repent. God can show up in your house and fix all your finances, fix you physically completely and you feel like you're, you're 50 years younger. You, you may feel 20 years younger. You may feel the best you've ever felt in your life. Physically, your family can be healed and put together and financially and everything be wonderful. But unless without repentance it does you no good except gets you comfortable to where you don't need a God. So be careful what you wish for. There are consequences to the lack of repentance. Charles Spurgeon said this, To hide your face from your sins may be your ruin. But for God to hide His face from your sins, that would be so tragic. God knows what your sins are. He does not hide His face from your sins. He's aware of them. And that can bring your salvation if you'll turn to Him. See, they did not repent. It was all there for them, but they refused to deal with the truth that was laid out before them. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, this message today applies to those who are not born-again Christians, not followers of Christ, and those who are. It's for all of us in this room. Repentance is not optional If you do not know Jesus Christ, it's required so that you can begin a relationship with Christ and be connected to God. If you're born again, when you mess up, it's not optional. You are to repent. See, rather than repent, many of us rationalize, I may not be perfect. And this is what I do. I mess up. Oh yeah, I get rowdy. But I'm a pretty good old boy. I'm as good as the next guy. Justification, rationalization, comparison does not cut it when it comes to repentance. You will not encounter the living God unless you actually deal with repentance in your life. Repentance is not a negotiation. It's not up for discussion. Repentance is black and white. Worldly sorrow because you got, got caught will bring worldly sorrow. You, you may feel sorry. You may feel sad because you get caught for doing something you should not have. Any of you here ever got caught by your parents doing something that you wish they hadn't have caught you doing? Oh, no, Pastor. Oh, no, oh, buddy's, buddy's the only one who's being honest here this morning, I guess. I mean, we, we've been caught doing something we shouldn't have been doing, and, and then we feel really bad about it, right? We're like, oh, no, gosh, I've been called. I'm, I'm so sorry. Have you heard that one? I'm so sorry. But let me tell you simply because you're sorry because you got caught is not repentance. Saying, I'm sorry, is not repentance. Admitting you've done something wrong is not repentance. There is a clear understanding about repentance I want us to get today. Charles Spurgeon also said, repentance is the discovery of the evil of sin. Can I say that again? Because I believe there's many of us in this room that doesn't believe sin is evil. We think it's something we can dabble in. It's okay to do a little of this, a little of that. Charles Spurgeon said, Repentance is the discovery of the evil of sin. A mourning that we have committed it. A resolution to forsake it. It is, in fact, a change of mind of a very deep and practical character which makes the man love what once he hated and hate what once he loved. It is a change of mind. It is about what you believe. It's, it's about, see, repentance isn't a sin problem. It's a belief problem. We don't repent because we just don't quite believe our sin is that evil. Let's just be honest this morning. Let's just throw it out there and, and get real because re- the sin in our life is evil according to Scripture. But we don't want to go quite that far. Gosh, pastor, you calling me evil? I didn't call you evil. I said sin is evil. It is completely the opposite of what God desires. And when it comes to repentance, we, re- we will not repent as long as we think sin is okay. Come on now, somebody say amen because that's, that's good stuff this morning. We will not repent as long as we believe the sin in our life is okay. So to repent requires something about what we believe. You know, this morning, we have all heard about the coronavirus. Any of you scared to death? I'm not scared. I mean, the coronavirus is what it is. We don't have near as many people with that as we do the flu in America, and I think they're doing a good job containing it. But just in case, I want to make sure... I'm gonna use some Lysol this morning once I turn it on to make sure that I'm good and clean this morning. I don't want to be, get I don't want to get contaminated by all of you, okay? <laughs> but you know what's bad is I've been around a lot of people this weekend, haven't I? I mean all these teenagers and can I tell you something? They don't always wash their hands when they're guys. You have to make them go by and clean their hands. You know, a, a study came out and showed only 50% of those who go to the bathroom wash their hands. 50%. 50% of them were women. They washed their hands. I'm going to stop there. But you know, this Lysol is a good thing. So just in case I was around anything this weekend... I don't want to make sure. I don't want to. I don't want to take a chance. That is not beer, okay? <laughs> I assure you, this is this is Lysol all-purpose cleaner. Whew, and it's not Mountain Dew. This is 100% cleaner. You know, it says here it kills germs for a deep clean, and I need to be cleaned. I've been around these teenagers, not just ours, but at that church there were a whole bunch of them. I've shagged hands, I've hugged necks. I might have something. (laughs) And it says it kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. That's a good idea. How about I just drink something this morning? I mean, it kills germs. Do you believe this stuff will kill germs? I mean, it's Lysol. Do you believe that this thing will actually make things sanitary and clean, right? So we believe this must be good because it gets rid of the bad stuff. This must be good for you, so I'm just going to drink some this morning. This is not apple juice. This is really Lysol. You saw me open it. I'm a little disturbed that none of you freaks ran up here and stopped me from trying to drink it. I'm a little worried this morning. I thought y'all cared. I gave a disclaimer at the very beginning. And see, nobody was here to rescue me this morning. (laughs) You know I do crazy things. Here's the thing. In our life, we think there are things that won't hurt us. See, like just then, I was like, well, this will be fine. It kills germs. It makes things really uh, good. And, but there was an engineer, a chemical engineer, a manufacturer that put together the stuff in this cup so that it would bring about good in certain situations, right? Right? There is a God who is a a designer of you and I and there are things in this world that looks good and has the appearance of good but it will bring about death. And what we do, we believe it's good for us. It's got some benefits. After all, it makes me feel okay. It helps. So see, until our mind changes and we understand the truth that it is dangerous and will kill us and we set it aside and only look for those things that will help us, we're only going to experience death in our life. See, repentance isn't simply saying, I'm sorry. Repentance isn't simply putting down the glass because unless my mind changes that that will kill me, I will pick it up again tomorrow when I feel like I'm getting a little sick and it will get rid of the germs. In repentance, there must be a change of mind, a change of belief that will result in different actions. In the Old Testament, the word for repentance has to do with just doing a 180, walking in the other direction. I submit to you today, it's more than what you do. It's based on what you believe. Repentance is a change of belief. So your problem today is not what you are doing. It's what you are believing. These people believed that everything was okay. God was doing great work among us. But the reality was, there was a message that they were missing. And that message was to repent, to change your mind so that there will be a change of action. Maybe you are here today and you're beginning to think... Well, maybe I've just gone too far. Maybe I have I keep doing the wrong thing and I, I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm doing the wrong thing and you guys saw this on, on Friday night and I'm, I am just keep doing it and, and I'm getting farther and farther from God and I'm getting farther and farther and it's getting darker and darker in my life and, and I feel farther and farther from God but it just seems like I can't do anything about it because God's way over there and I just keep messing up. I can't get this right. I, I want to believe. I want to believe. I, I know I've heard it's true but... I, I just can't fully believe that this stuff is terrible and that there, I do have what it takes to overcome this. But you know what happens? If you'll just simply turn and look, Jesus is over there. He's right here. Wherever sin takes you, Jesus is there. You don't have to work your way back all the way over to here because He's right there where you are. Wherever you are today, Jesus is there. And maybe today you're thinking, I just don't deserve it. I've messed up too bad, too much, too many times. (laughs) My grace is sufficient, the Lord says. God's grace is sufficient for whatever you've done, however bad it has been. This city refused to repent. In other words, they refused to change what they believe and act differently. They continued to just believe what they believe and live like they wanted to live and let God's power be on display and it not change anything about them. But you have a choice today. In Colossians, I read just a couple of days ago, in Colossians, where the Word of God says that when we are in Him, Grant, you're listening to me this morning. When we are in Him, I shared this with Grant. Grant and I talked about it yesterday. When we are in Christ, the Word of God says in Colossians that I am complete. When I am in Jesus, I am complete. What does complete mean? Full. Full. Nothing lacking. Perfect. For me to believe I do not have what it takes to live the life Christ has called me to live is to say, Jesus, you're not sufficient. I'm not complete. I'm empty. There's parts missing. Maybe you saved me, but that ain't enough. You just ain't enough, Jesus. What I want to declare to you today, the Word of God says, you have everything needed. It says that. Everything needed to live that holy life. But the problem is we're believing the lie from the enemy. No, I don't. I can't do it. I can't live up to it. I don't have enough self-discipline. Well, the Word of God declares that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-discipline. And faithfulness. Thank you. (laughs) Self-discipline is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So you can throw out all the excuses you want, but I need you to really examine, is this belief that I'm declaring lined up with the Word of God? Or have I bought into a lie? Am I believing something that's not true? Which allows me to say, this sin's okay in my life. Jesus declared to these people a very simple message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What must I do with this message today? Number one is allow God to reveal the truth to you. Allow God to reveal to you where you are and what's going on. Luke 3 8 speaks of bearing fruit and keeping with repentance. That fruit that is bore that is keeping with repentance is our actions. To say I'm sorry, and to continue to do what you've always done is not repentance. It's lunacy. Repentance is to change what you believe. And let it change your actions. See, we act and respond out of what we actually believe. If we believe we're just not good enough and no guy will ever like me or my doctor's always going to give me bad news, we're going to act exactly how we believe. But my word for you today to encourage you is this. Allow God to reveal His truth to you. An internal change of mind and heart is much more important than an outward sorrow because you got caught. If what motivates you to do right is because of what someone may say if they catch you doing it, you're not repenting. You're not changing your beliefs and you're going to continue to struggle with the same thing over and over Chuck Swindoll said, when we repent, God can restore what our pride and hard heart has wrecked. Sin will wreck us. Repentance will bring us life. And the second thing for us to do, not only allow God to reveal the truth, because I'm not here to reveal it to you, because... I got news for you. The Holy Spirit's work's doing that right now. You've already probably thought of some things that you're going, yeah, that's not quite what I, yeah, that's wrong. What you believe is dictating what you're doing. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. Go deeper than just the actions. The second one is repent where needed. Repent where needed. One person said, people on earth hate to hear the word repent. We just don't like it means we have to change. We have to do something. Today, I'm not declaring to you for you to do something. I'm declaring to you to believe something. Believe that you've listened to the lie too long. And that which you're partaking of is actually that which will kill you and destroy you. And believe... Rather, the truth of God's Word that declares that we can have life and have it more abundantly, that we are complete in Christ, that we can be filled up with God, that we are holy and blameless, we are saints. I'm declaring to you today, I am not a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint because of God's grace who sins. There is a difference, Troy. You and I talked about that. We had a great discussion about it. There is a difference because it, it is birthed out of what you believe, and you will act based on your belief. So, let me give you your challenge this week. This week, pray daily this. Pray every day, and just say, Father, show me where I need to repent. Who, what? Wait a minute. You want to include that in a prayer? Yes. Include that in your prayer. Be bold enough to say, God, show me where I need to repent. Show me where I need to change what I believe and change what I do. Don't just stick with trying to improve your actions. Change your belief. Allow God to get deep enough to say, it's because you're believing something over here that's causing you to continue to struggle with this other thing. But I've set you free. Where are you today? Bow your heads and pray with me this morning. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that Jesus, day after day, would perform miracles and declare a message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is absolutely... It is necessary, Lord. It is required for salvation. It is required for us to live a holy life because, God, what we believe is what we're going to do. And if we believe that we just can't measure up or we just can't do it, we're just not strong enough, we're going to keep doing it. So, Lord, let today be the day that we repent. Our minds change and they turn to you and what you have said and that out of that we begin to act differently. Father, today we pray that your people will repent. Father, today I pray that you will show to me where I need to repent. Lord, I know I'm your child. I know I belong to you. I know I've been born again. And Father, I also know that you're still working on me. Your word declares in Philippians 1 that you will continue the work until it is perfected. Father, forgive me for resisting, for trying other solutions, for attaching it to a list to say if only I can measure up to God's standard. Lord, it's really just simply about just surrendering. Allowing you to penetrate my mind and my heart and what I believe. And then I will act differently. Lord, do not let us make repentance man-focused. Repentance without being God-focused is no repentance at all. So, Lord, today may you change our hearts, may you change our minds. May you change our lives. Lord, that is why it's so important for those who do not know you, who do not have that relationship with you. That's why it's so important that they come to you and say, Father, forgive me. For by saying that, they are believing that there is no other way to heaven and that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that they have made a mistake, that Lord, they need you. In the simple simple phrase of just saying, Father, forgive me. Am I saying, take over my life? It is declaring I believe that you must be in control and not me. That you are king. So Lord, today I pray that those who are listening to my voice right now. If the Holy Spirit is prompting them, if they feel a move within their heart and their mind, Lord, may they pray that and ask you to forgive them and take over their life. For those of us who have been Christians for a long time, who struggle, Lord, may we truly cry out today and ask you to change our minds so that our actions will follow. May we repent today in Jesus' name. Amen.